I'd love it if he, he said, really want those to be your last words, can you not do better? And he just went, if I should die, think only this of me. <laughs> <laughs> Has the battle started yet? It's finished, and Daenerys won. Thank you very much, Lannister Guardsman. <laughs> Lannister Guardsman, plot, money saver, much obliged. <laughs> He should have been a recurring character. He should have been the guy up at the uh, Fist of the First Men. Who was like, <laughs> just wanders out the snow to Sam. They've all died. Now you've got to run away. Hello and welcome to Shark Liver Oil. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. Hello. And today we are discussing uh, Series 6, Episode 8 of A Game of Thrones, entitled No One. Yep, so um, as we do every week, we are uh, looking at the series from a perspective of two uh, people who've actually read all the books. So um, there are a lot of sort of book spoilers in this podcast if you haven't read the books. Um, and of course, we, we talk about things that have happened in the Song of Ice and series, Fire series so far, which may influence the series. So um, we always do a bit of a spoiler warning at the start. So basically, if you're very concerned about spoilers, you want to have have read the books um, by this point and have re- watched the series up to here, obviously. Um, yeah. We also discuss some popular fan theories, um, but we do that at the end of the podcast after a little bit of music, just for people who um, maybe think, you know, I- I'm happy with what we've read so far, but I'd rather not do a lot of speculating on what's to come. Anyway. I, I can't begin to understand why somebody would rob themselves of the uh, the storytelling glory of Barris is a Mermaid or... Um, <laughs> Or Varys is a mermaid. Varys is a mermaid. Syria Florel's been alive all this time. It's all about Bravos, really. Where, where, where else have we done? We've got them all. We've got them all. Yeah. The I tell you what, the, the the one that's. I mean, we don't. We shouldn't really. We don't want to go into them greatly here. But one of them, which we discussed at length last week, um, has been a bit scotched by this this episode. But we'll, we'll every week, that. isn't it? It's as if they're listening in and then going, right? How should we fuck him up this week? Eh? <laughs> Matt Matt's bunker full of spoilers will be reduced to a pile of rubble. <laughs> yeah, this week it will be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, we go into. Let's get into this here, into the episode then. So we start off with it. It's a bit more of a Lady Crane's um, Oscar nomination showreel as she. Uh, <laughs> Does does her speech again with with, with added sort of vengeance this time after the yeah with with extra emotion yeah it's as if she went out there and went right then let's grab them by the balls yeah <laughs> now there was a lot of talk last week um, especially on so in some other podcasts and on the forums and things like that about um, maybe Aya wasn't Aya in the last last episode so she wasn't actually stabbed and yeah. um, and she's fine and it was somebody wearing her face and I, I, just, I was thinking about this sorry sorry go on. I was going to say, I was thinking about this, and I actually thought that at a number of points through this episode until I realised they can only use a face when they've killed the person who has it, right? Because it has to go into that terrifying gallery of death masks. Yeah. In in the house of black and white. <laughs> I think so. Although when Arya was ripping off a load of faces, um, do you know, was it the end? Was yeah. it last season? Um, sh- she saw her own face in that. Do you know when she killed Jacken? Truth. Um, Truth, but yeah, I thought you had to kill someone first before you could use it. But anyway, anyway, it, it didn't happen. But I just thought there was a nice little nudge or teaser in this because at the very start here, everyone starts applauding Lady Crane, and it pulls out, and you just see sort of the back of someone's head, and it looks like it could be Arya. I was thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I, I immediately thought, oh, it was right, she's she's fine. But mm-hmm. then we find out 
she's hiding in a cupboard and she's still being stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do admire the full range of like time periods they these people put on their fake outs in this TV series, right? Because <laughs> that was a fake out that lasted a, perhaps a second and a half. Yeah. But it had you go in for a second and a half. Some of these fake outs have lasted for entire series. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Ned Stark to come back, by the way. <laughs> it's not real, Matt. It's not, it didn't really happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, she yeah, so she is um, obviously still horrifically wounded, hiding in this cupboard, uh, and Lady Crane finds her and nurses her back to health. Um, just so happens that Lady Crane is an expert in healing these wounds. This was a bit of a stretch, wasn't it, to be honest? Yeah, it was a bit... By the, yeah, by the way, I'm the only person in the city who's remotely inclined to be friendly towards you at this point, or even knows your real face. <laughs> and as it turns out, I have extraordinary experience in patching people back up. Once, <laughs> did, did you like the reason she had for it as well? Once yeah. I've stabbed them in the stomach and they're bleeding to death, yeah. I then, bloody hell, tell you what, get on the wrong side of her. My word. Yeah. So she, she, her basic, basic sort of backstory for that is um, I had a series of uh, boyfriend stroke husbands who kept cheating on me and whenever they came home after doing that, I sliced them up a bit and then, <laughs> and then sewed them back together. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. A series of... That's my thing. Is just, do you know what, love? Perhaps entertain the possibility of a different type, eh? You're in, you're in the theatre. Find yourself a nice sort of artsy, kind of, you know, non-confrontational type. Instead yeah. of always going for the guy who needs to be stabbed in the lower intestine before he pays attention to you. Yeah, yeah, it did feel it felt a bit strange that, but uh, yeah. th- there's been a, quite a few um, people who really um, upset with the way this whole thing has panned out, and that the uh, really? the Arya storyline they would have much preferred it to be some strange switcheroo kind of thing. I didn't really get that at all. I, I actually thought this was this was pretty good, apart from this really kind of reaching a bit backstory. You know, Tenuous. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. this woman happens to be a medic as well. Um, but apart yeah. from that, I mean, some people were saying, you know, oh, why would I you go to this woman who you know the faceless men are after her anyway? But I just thought, yeah. where else is she going to go? She she knows yeah. she's still a little girl, and she knows no, she's the only person she she's the only friend she has left in the city. So I, I thought it kind of made sense that she showed up here. Yeah. Uh, I think there probably is something to be said for in terms of, again for realism for this sort of that the kind of if you get stabbed in the belly twice uh, I'm I'm not sure you sort of you can run around a day later. Well, yeah, we'll I mean that's to. my thing. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll come to that later in the episode, but Yeah. Um then we we cut back to Westeros and uh, we meet these uh, these four guys sitting around a campfire, two young guys and two older guys. One of them um I think he's called Gattins or something like that. But he's got his, <laughs> yeah, he's got his, I think he's got his teeth filed to points. And uh, I thought that was quite a nice reference to um, just like a nod to the books where there's a guy called Biter um, as we, oh, yeah. that we came across. Yeah. And I think yeah. this was sort of a nod towards him. Yeah. Um, was it Biter or was it Raj? Didn't Raj have crazy teeth as well? I think Raj had no nose. <laughs> that was, oh, his, that oh, was well, his thing. Same, same. same. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were a lovable bunch, weren't they? I thought. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So these two older guys, two younger guys. We get this hashtag lad bants as, um, <laughs> as he does like how to kiss a woman, and then sort of tries to stick his finger up this guy's ass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, right. 
not that that particularly happened any time <laughs> in my life. But honestly, if somebody says, I'm going to teach you how to kiss a woman, don't go alone. I mean, am I alone here? Is this just, Did he have absolutely no... I suppose what I'm asking, Matt, is did the young guy there never go to an English state school? Because <laughs> you should know better. Maybe he went to an English public school. <laughs> well, in which case he did know better. <laughs> oh, it's, it's cheap, it's cheap. It is cheap. I, I um, apologise to all my public school friends. Well, anyway, the, the, the hound arrives on the scene. Um, Sam Nicola again, very much now the hound again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. No, no messing around there either, was there? Accelerate straight to the end scene of a Mortal Kombat fight. Yeah. Jeez. I love how he just comes in from out of focus and just announces himself by chopping one guy's head off. Then yeah. um, just goes to town on the rest of them. Ends with the coup de grace, which is the bollock shot right oh. up there. <laughs> That's horrible, isn't it, as well? That all this stuff just sort of drops out. and then guy Yeah, off. it was... Well, Well, actually, um, this is. I think this might be an opportune moment to, to mention something which happened to me whilst watching this episode. <laughs> um, I, I watched the, the, the show on on the internet um, using HBO Go and um, the the download was really bad and uh, the decoding wasn't working properly on my computer it ran out of RAM so um, every scene was sort of in this weird pixelated mess <laughs> and so there are many points through this episode where I promise you I've watched it but you might say such and such happens and I'll go did it? because <laughs> I, was, I was getting about one, one second out of four at some points of this episode, so um, so this is almost a learning experience for you too as we go through the uh, the episode. It, it is. I I love. I so love to be so good at avoiding spoilers that I can have watched the episode and some of the plot will still be a surprise to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, the hound, hound gets to do a, a bit of sort of a fairly some fairly good sort of killing words as well as this. Uh, this oh, that was great. I, I mean. It's, um, I just love this guy's this guy's dying scene because he, he just basically he essentially goes he, like the hound goes any last words and the guy swears at him and the hound goes that is rubbish last words do you want to try again and the guy just ups the ante and uses a worse <laughs> swear word <laughs> and yeah. I thought that was going to be the, the rhetorical high point of the scene but then the hound goes you're rubbish at dying and just kills him <laughs> I'd love it if he, he said Fuck you! And the and the home went. Really want those to be your last words? Can you not do better? And he just went. If I should die, think only this of me. <laughs> <laughs> go, go straight to the glorious heroic poetry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Then, then we cut over to uh, Marine very briefly, as uh, the Red Priest uh, was it Red Priest Public Relations are at work uh, spreading the good news about. Uh, Daenerys, as yeah. Tyrion and, and Varys wander through the city. Varys is leaving. He's off to Westeros to do a bit of a sort of find friends mission, which was a bit of a surprise. Mm. Um, and that as is he li- because he's, he's not exactly inconspicuous, is he? Well, you know? exactly, yeah. Although he's quite good at staying in the shadows, I suppose. Um, and then, as it's quite a poignant departure. It, it kind of, it felt the way this is shot, that this is a, these two aren't, probably aren't going to meet again. Did you feel that? Yeah, it did a bit. It was. It, it's been a lovely bromance, but mm. I, you know, I get the feeling that they kind of they need them to stop being mm. the odd couple. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out, you know, Var- various and or Tyr- various, Varys and or Tyrion 
gets um, gets screwed and gets killed before they see each other again. Hmm. And uh, is is the it's quite a nice final line from Tyrion as well, where very very says a uh, you know probably don't want to be seen with the other most famous dwarf in the city, and Tyrion's like, no no, the most famous dwarf in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and you you kind of want at that point you want like. Um, uh, forget about Dre to kick in or something just as he walks off just like bom, 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 bom. <laughs> drops Mike leaves courtyard you know yeah yeah uh, so Brienne and Pod turn up um, in in the Riverlands next we really do sort of bounce around very quickly to the different parts of uh, yeah. the story here so Bri- yeah so Brienne and uh, Pod arrive and um, <laughs> Pod's like it's a siege and Brienne's like no shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when she says something like your, your military awareness is amazing like <laughs> I quite enjoyed this as well I sort of they, they were very good at acting sort of dance yeah you know in a way that in, in a way that could easily have been you know because Brienne you know it'd be very easy for that character to be totally cold and totally humorless mm. but actually there was this little undercurrent of like well done <laughs> shit you should be trained by somebody who's in a Kingsguard oh wait <laughs> Raise your fucking game. It was just, it was nice. It was a nice little moment. Yeah. And another nice moment I thought, really nice, was uh, Pod and Bron uh, getting back together. <laughs> that like, was great. Bron Although, jumps him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he jumped him, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, don't tell me that my own pet fan theory, Pod for the Iron Throne, is about <laughs> to fall through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It felt almost like a like older brother, younger brother relationship it here did. with these two. Um, yeah, and and again, like uh, in a scene like this, I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop and for somebody to get stabbed in the stomach. Yeah. Um, but it was it was really lovely, and I, I I found that really interesting. Like this thing about Pod as like a he's like he's noble, right? Like the Paines are a noble family. Yeah. He's clearly far more at ease hanging out with this bloke who just sort of scratches himself in public and swears loudly about prostitutes in the presence <laughs> of monarchs. Yeah. Than he is walking around being like milady. You know, he knows that stuff too, but he's just, there's just, there's a strange sort of man of the people vibe about Pod, which I, I quite like. Yeah, yeah. And there's definitely a sort of a, uh, from Bronze's point of view, a sort of taking him under his wing, sort of uh, roughing his yeah. hair up and like knocking him about. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> it was great, yeah. So he, 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 Pod says, I'm being trained by Brienne in the like, noble arts of, of fighting. And Bron basically gives him a, a couple of lessons in the ignoble arts. Um, <laughs> I quite like the bit where he's just like, right, let's let's get your stance out. And he punches him in the face. Yeah. And he says, uh, first rule, everyone wants to punch you in the face. And then he says, everyone wants to punch a fucking squire. <laughs> Which <laughs> I, I thought was great because um, he's basically, it, it's, it's funny, obviously, but it's also, yeah. it's it's kind of exactly the, the same thing thing that's been ha- happened to Bron his entire life people underestimating everyone wants to punch a squire because they're seen as the easy pickings and like yeah. the people who you can bu- knock around and bully and it's kind yeah. of the same for sort of sellswords or people very low born like Bron uh, that's interesting yeah. I, just, I just think that that's that is probably the, the big lesson that Bron can teach someone like Pod is that use the fact that people underestimate you to an advantage the same way that Tyrion does I suppose yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Pod's getting quite a good exercise uh, uh, education in um, in power broking, isn't he? In sort of understanding how people are gonna. Hmm. I'm telling you, Matt. Pod for the Iron Throne, <laughs> right it now. It's happening. Yeah, um, we get a bit of a bit of chat about whether you, whether Brienne and Jamie are, uh, are getting it on in the tent, um, kind of half seriously. And we also get a, we've not had this for a while. Um, the uh, jokes about Pod's enormous. Enormous cock. 
pod the rod. The rod that was pod promised. The... <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you made that up yourself, Matt. I'll be so proud if that's a name you gave him. No, no, I think that was I th- that might be a bold move one. I had to give credit where it's due uh, there. Fair but, enough, yeah. fair enough. Pod yeah. the rod. There we go. Good for the rod. Word, lads. Or the, or, the, or the rod that was promised. Instead the, of the rod that was promised. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so so then we cut inside the tent to Jamie and Brienne. Um, and uh, basically Jamie said, Brienne's trying to, says, you know, I found Sansa. Uh, actually, she's found both of them, didn't she? She's found Arya as well, but she ran off. Um, she, yeah. <laughs> she found Arya, but Arya ran off. Ran off. And that apparently means that the oath has been fulfilled. <laughs> so she's like, yeah. job done. Yeah, yeah. it's a little bit like the letter of the law approach there, isn't it? It's like, you know, if she ever does encounter Catelyn again, she's going to yeah. be like, Milady, I fulfilled my vow to you and I found your daughters. And she'll go, oh, fantastic, where are they? And she'll go, Sansa is in the north. And she'll go, oh, good, with John, great. And, uh, and Arya? Milady, I found your two daughters. <laughs> Yeah. I did not keep them. Keeping them was a different situation. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's the deluxe package. You just got the. Uh, <laughs> the that's how they get you, Matt. You see, <laughs> you get one of these people of unimpeachable honour to go and track down your kids, and if you don't word it absolutely perfectly, they'll just find them. Go there, she is, and fuck off again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so th- this conversation is interesting between Brienne and Jamie. Um, they obviously still very fond of each other. Um, there's obviously there's definitely like a undertow of sort of sexual tension here as well, um, but at the same time the sort of politics have put them on very obvious opposing sides. Um, mm. Jamie basically says to Brienne, "Keep the keep the sword that I lent you to sort of help you find the uh, the Stark girls because you've earned it," and mm. um, and also they agree for Brienne to try and talk the Blackfish down. That's the compromise they come to. Um, but yeah. but they say you know Brienne says at the end if this doesn't work we're going to end up fighting it's going to come to yeah. blows so. and I like that Jamie goes yeah fair enough because hmm. with almost any other character he makes some flip comment tell them how little he cares about them and then you know kind of acts as though it's you know he just kind of Lannister his way out of it basically just arrogance his way through yeah whereas whereas with Brienne he's like yeah I know and it's just it's a lot more kind of it's an interesting thing to have two characters who clearly know each other so well and respect each other so well but who really should not be shagging you know mm. what I mean usually that sort of a connection in fiction means they're going to be between the sheets in three seconds but these <laughs> two you know no chance and I, I quite like it it's this weird space mm. uh, where, where nothing's expected I suppose uh, then, then we go into in, inside Riverrun for the negotiation with the Blackfish. So Brienne tries to convince him to, to sort of to leave. It's, it's a little tableau, isn't it, Matt? It's beautiful. You could paint it and put it on somebody's mantelpiece. It's a painting called Optimism. Going in, trying to get the Blackfish to do anything for you. Yeah. So, I mean, she makes a good fist of it, and she eventually convinces him that she's legit and that this letter is actually from Sansa. You get this little sort of beat where... He looks at the letter and, and says, "Oh, she's just like a she's just like cat. It's just the same way that she'd yeah. she'd write it." I, I totally thought I and I like this as well because that's what I thought. That's what I've been thinking this whole time as Sansa becomes this sort of political animal. Mm. Is you like I think you're making some really bad decisions here, Sansa. But I can, it, it feels consistent to your character. Mm. It's not just she needs to be. Pet- she is petulant, and I think it will be damaging to it, much the same way as it was damaging to Catelyn. But mm. um. 
it's viable you know like i i, I believe it yeah yeah and then the blackfish uh despite that says look you know i've made my choice and i'm going to defend my home and this felt like you know what believable for his character as well that he is stubborn enough to say you know i'm not going to abandon the castle even to do that um you know he, he feel it's, it feels almost as much about not losing to jamie in that way now as well it, i think yeah. i think the blackfish should feel that jamie's won in the diplomacy if he backs yeah. down now yeah that's and that's tighter. true and since since the blackfish so comprehensively beat jamie at diplomacy before in the last episode out on the drawbridge hmm. Um, where, you know, a, a different sort of character. Oh, Jamie, with other people, would have just, when he was... Did, did you see that moment on the on the, the drawbridge last episode where um, he, the Blackfish kind of does his sort of put his hands behind his back and walk away and look into the distance sort of thing on the edge of a drawbridge? And I'm just thinking, do you know what? He just gets kicked in the back there. He's in a moat in full armour. Game over. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. And I think Jamie would have done that to other people, but not to the Blackfish. So the Blackfish knows that he's winning. He knows that he's in his head a little bit. Mm. Um, even though, you know, militarily, his position's indefensible. Mm. Yeah. It's, so at the end of this, sort of, so the Blackfish says, thanks, but no thanks to the offer. And Brienne, <laughs> Brienne says to Pod, you know, send a raven to Sansa telling her that I've failed. And at this moment, to be honest, it's similar to what you... Um, you said when you first saw Bronn and Pod sort of having this like jovial knockabout before, um, oh. and you thought, "Oh, what terrible thing's going to happen?" I immediately thought, "Here, oh shit, Bronn's going to end up killing Pod here. There's going to yeah. come to a fight, and he'll kill him." And I thought that would be terrible to see, but also it would be quite a, an interesting comment on sort of how people like those two actually get on and not much against each other end yeah. up killing each other because of sort of wider politics that throw them into different sort of sides yeah in the end they avoid that but um yeah, yeah i think it's probably part of the reason I, I was worried about that was as you said before we're kind of cringing waiting for the blows to strike now aren't we with this kind of show yeah yeah, so, yeah. but yeah luckily it's worth that but it would have been an interesting direction to take it in. Yeah. um but then go over to king's landing oh, hang on a minute we're going to need to rewind very briefly because I jumped from the Red Priest public relations to Brienne at the Siege, missing yeah. out, and it's remiss of me to miss this scene out. Uh, Cersei versus the Faith Militant. Um, <laughs> hey! Yeah. So the I think just I think that might be a bit of a Freudian omission there, and I have to say I'm right <laughs> with you in it. In that, I Cersei for the Cersei and the Faith. Oh lordy. How compelling. <laughs> yeah, I've not added the the spice, which is uh, the mountain here. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> inevitable victory of the mountain in a fight. Yeah. It's the least tense scene in, in a series full of untense scenes, isn't it? Yeah, so, ba- so basically Lancel and a couple of his uh, faith militant friends turn up and demand that Cersei go to the high sept, to the great oh, sept. All- it's all gone a bit Holy Roman Empire there, hasn't it? There's yeah. no pretense of, you know, the High Sparrow is now no longer being like kind of, I work for the gods and I'm holy. Yeah. He's now sending people, down. he's basically sending the boys in, isn't he? Like yeah. Lancel might as well, for all that he's a nicely spoken chap, might as well turn up wearing knuckle dusters and a leather jacket going, all right now, where's <laughs> your fucking telly? Do you know what I mean? Like it's that sort of level of intimidation. Yeah, yeah. But Cersei will not be intimidated, uh, 
Yeah. Lancel says, come with us or there'll be violence. And she just says, I choose violence. And oh, promptly, Lord. promptly, the mountain <laughs> literally rips a guy's head off with his bare hands. And, yeah. and the rest of them sort of look at him and think, ooh, got to get out of here. <laughs> I like the, the bit right before that where the guy who ends up headless... <laughs> Yeah. swings this horrifying kind of apprentice morning star thing like an axe with four spikes instead of an axe blade yeah. and it just embeds it in the mountain's chest and the mountain basically goes <laughs> looks down pulls it out from the head no blood comes out at all and goes you what <laughs> brilliant brilliant there's yeah. nothing like the understated response to uh, to physical harm yeah i suppose that is a um I suppose I suppose that is a sort of a, a, a like somewhere where you would attack if you've got such a powerful weapon, but because it because it it just looks so sort of thick the art like the breastplate armor. I always think yeah. that's a really stupid place to attack. You know, if you get one shot, go for either yeah. the head or something else. But I suppose yeah, if you've got a very big weapon, it, that should sort of penetrate that kind of armor. Um, well, I mean, one would think, and but I, and and obviously you and I are experts in medieval combat, so. <laughs> I th- I think I, I agree with you, but which which numpties are doing the weapons on this show? I do not know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that was that was the bit that we missed out. Um, so let's fast fast forward now back past oh, the. On. Sorry, go on. Is there not a, is there not a, a weird cryptic moment at the end of this scene that we need to talk about? With um, Kyburn comes up to Cersei and goes. Is this in the, is this in the no, scene that's, later on? That's, that, that's the next scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry, the, sorry. The, the, there is a moment at the end of this where, as um, as the rest of the Faith Militant and Lancel slink off, um, Kyburn does the, the the most amazing sort of smirk as they walk it off. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on the winning side. <laughs> All I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> yes oh if Kyburn cracked out his like big stomping R&B self he got down with his bad self that would be amazing that's dying for a, a vine that isn't it it, it, it is needs to, needs to happen <laughs> oh, <that dude. laughs> um, anyway um, let's fast forward now back past the Brienne at the Siege and past the uh, negotiations with the Blackfish and we're back in King's Landing for the throne room there's an announcement in the throne room. Cersei hasn't been told in advance, and she, when she does turn up, gets promptly sent to the cheap seats in the gallery to, to view it. <laughs> it is, isn't it, man? And, and you know what? Um, what's his name? Dennis. I keep forgetting. Oh, this. it's um, uh, the other Lannister, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Dennis. <laughs> um, Kevin. Um, he was born to be a sort of usher at a really snooty opera house, wasn't he? Because he's doing his full-on standing on the steps. I'm sorry, is that... Uh, I, I, do you call that evening dress? <laughs> evening dress? Get to the pleb seats with your pa. Yeah, yeah. I sensed a certain amount of, like, um, just frustration and, and anger from him as well about how the sort of... She's when they were last sitting at that small council, and she'd mm. constantly been messing things up. And Kevin sent her away, and then her and Jamie came back with another plan. And he's looking mm. at her now in the throne room, like, "Yeah, how did that last plan that you came to us work out? You know, where you were going to go over and break out Tommen from the Faith Militant? Yeah, you balls yeah. that one up as well. Go and sit in the cheap seats. Go and sit <laughs> at the kids' table and let the <laughs> adults work. It is, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, you know what? 
Big seats are for big winners. <laughs> hey, fuck off. <laughs> um, so the announcement is... Um, is it, the, the announcement, Dave, is basically there will be no Clegane Bowl. <laughs> you can all go home. I was, I was watching that and I, I could just hear the internet collectively <laughs> sigh in disappointment. Yeah, if you don't know what that is, uh, then we'll, we'll sp- speak about that more at the... Um, in this in the uh, in this bunker full of spoilers later on, but uh, yeah, he basically says that trial by combat is. Uh, t- to be honest, I mean, he's absolutely right. It's a ridiculous <laughs> way to to sort of <laughs> to sort of deal out justice, just picking yeah. two people to fight it out for you. So we're not yeah. doing it anymore. So uh, Cersei's trial will be in front of seven jurors, basically seven Se- septons actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what's going on. I love happen. that. It's, you're, it's 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 the archetypal political stitch up. Yeah. Um and as as you may know, I have lived internationally for quite some time in a number of developing countries and I have to say this rang very true to me. Um <laughs> where where the government if it wants to screw somebody does so using due process. Due process isn't something that bad governments ignore, it's something they manipulate. Mm. And and this moment here where they're like, how can we make it? Essentially, this is a fight between the Queen and the Church. <laughs> how can we make it so the Church wins? The Church will be the arbiters of justice. <laughs> ding, ding, ding! Yeah, yeah. It's funny that um, in sort of creating that sort of si- that system, they're also removing another system that's basically been put in place to protect the sort of noble people isn't it so they're above the law yeah. because they, they always have the strongest fighters so basically they the laws don't apply to them if you have trial by combat yeah. um, and now if you have trial by septons the law just doesn't apply to septons but yeah. everybody else obviously are equal before it now so yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's replacing basically what I'm trying to say it's replacing one corrupt justice system with another isn't it yes um, absolutely yeah well, thought, yeah, and it's going from having church law to a theocracy, which is different. Mm. Church law can be applied to people who choose to be part of that religion. Mm. A theocracy is, I don't give a shit who you are or what you believe. I'm the king, and that's my god, so you're all doing what I tell you to do. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting how uh, Tommen is sort of rubbing his hand against the throne as he's talking. Um, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, and from a few different camera angles, you can see him do it. Um and it felt like that was quite a clear reference to sort of the Mad King and Aerys, how he used to cut himself on the throne. Yeah. And m- maybe we're moving towards that with Tommen as well. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because he doesn't seem crazy. He just seems very manipulated. Mm. But yeah. maybe that's the essence of the madness in question. You know, of the you know the people who get cut by the throne are people who are really ambivalent about sitting there. And Tommen actually really is not comfortable being the king. You know, he spends all of his time thinking, what should the king do in this situation? I'm probably failing to do it and being really sort of in his head about it. Um, so maybe that's the thing. Maybe, maybe you know, the essence of the start of this madness is not, I just want to kill everybody in the world. It's, I actually feel really conflicted about this and nobody's going to give me advice. Or decent advice, at least. Yeah. Yeah, and this this ends um, this scene ends with it looking pretty bad for Cersei until Kyburn comes up to her and says uh, that rumor you asked me to look into um, it's true. Uh, oh, she, oh, she says, "Is there anything in it?" And he says, "More, um, much more, much more." Uh, what 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 did you make of this? 
well, now, what happened basically was a fairly despicable character walked up to an extremely despicable character and went, Milady, you know that crucial plot point which I know and you know and therefore we don't need in any sense to elaborate in case there's some sort of audience of millions of people watching us wanting to know what the hell is going on? <laughs> yes? Well, it's, it's significant. <laughs> is it now? Oh, yes. Very significant. <laughs> Good. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> like, yeah. What? What is this rumor? <laughs> Do you uh, want to make a guess as to what it could possibly be? Oh, jeez. Um, uh, they've got uh, rudimentary camcorder footage of Loris and Marjorie shagging. <laughs> oh, it could be anything at this point, couldn't it? He's already brought flipping the mountain back from the dead. Milady, we've discovered a groundbreaking ninth kind of zombie. Like... <laughs> I like the Marjorie thing. It's just someone hiding in the corner, furiously painting. As they no! <laughs> <laughs> what? What's that noise? Nothing. Swish, 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 swish. Oh, anyway, um, yeah. Um, there's been a couple of suggested uh, things for this. One of them, because we cut to Tyrion straight afterwards. Maybe it's something mm. around rumors about Tyrion and Daenerys over in Marine. Um, the one I like more, though, the rumour I find more interesting is based on what we've seen with the Bran visions. Um, he, he sees some stuff from the past, some stuff from the future. One of the things he sees is a lot of wildfire exploding and um, possibly Cersei's asked Kyburn to look into have we got any stores of this wildfire left? I thought Tyrion used it all, didn't he? Well, so did I, yeah. At the Blackwater. Um, but I mean, that, that would definitely be interesting. I actually, I thought you were going to make this part of a callback to your um, your undersubscribed but compelling there's a nuclear bomb under Dawn theory, which is how they're <laughs> going to deal with the, the absence of Dawn from the rest of this storyline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just on that, um, this is, what, episode eight now? So it's seven episodes without a hint of dawn. Um, feels like we should have one of those signs up, you know, how many days since an accident? Like seven episodes since dawn. <laughs> seven episodes since anybody asked us to look at dawn. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll see what that what comes of that, though, I, I assume, over the next few, uh, next few episodes. Mm. Um, <laughs> we then enter Tyrion's joke shop. Uh, he's, he's, he's wants to. He's basically trying to. He's, he's trying to get uh, Miss Endy and Grey Worm to a drink, and b tell some jokes. Um, one of Tyrion's favourite jokes is um, sort of a, a Westerosi twist on the Englishman, Irishman, and Scotsman jokes yeah. that we yeah, we yeah, tell yeah, in yeah, England. It was. Yeah, and um, I wonder how many people in America realised that as well, because that the mm. moment he started telling that joke, the moment it got to. The Lannisters outrage and ask for a new one. I'm like, oh yeah, heard this. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that in this one, like the Starks are superimposed for the Scots. Yeah, even even down to he does a Scottish accent for the Starks. Yeah, I was like, have you not <laughs> noticed that Sean Bean is from as he is in all roles, he's from Sheffield. Doesn't matter where Sheffield is in the world, but he's from there. <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon he should have gone and the and the northern and the Stark says, Hey, spit it out. <laughs> Spit it out, you fly. <laughs> yeah, listen, I I would love it if everybody in the north actually had a Bolton accent. That would be incredible. <laughs> just just get the entire cast of Phoenix Knights back on just to play different people from the north. Yeah. We get Peter K plays Roose Bolton. Tell me you wouldn't pay money to see Peter K playing Roose Bolton. <laughs> 
things yeah. that you see. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Brian Potter as Brandon Stark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a reference for the our English only audience. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I yeah, we we're probably about as far down the obscure English comedy rabbit hole as we can go <laughs> yeah. uh, for this episode now. <laughs> uh, we got a, a quite a downbeat moment um, <clears throat> as as Tyrion sort of uh, just just sort of whimsically sort of wishes about things. You know, after all this is over, I quite like to open my own vineyard and uh, make my own sort of wine called the Imp's Delight. And he says, oh, only my closest friends can drink it. And I kind of got the feeling that he pauses here. Just sort of, it's him just realising just how how crap things are for him. And that yeah. he doesn't really have any close friends. Yeah. You know, sadly yeah, for him, for such a lovable character. Uh, could you name any close friends for Tyrion? Maybe Varys? Maybe Pod? Maybe, that? yeah, maybe Bronn. But all, they're all people who have worked. The best people, he's, yeah. Yeah, who worked for him or who he's worked alongside because their interests coincide. Mm. Um, and I, I tell you, actually, that is a really interesting point. It makes me think this. Part of the thing that's interesting about Tyrion's character is that I think this is George Martin and D.B. Weiss and David Benioff going for um, uh, making you sympathize with Machiavelli. Because mm. that's, that's absolutely what he is. He's somebody born in great weakness into a political situation where apparently strength, the ability to kill people using swords is everything, who manages to have this kind of outsized legacy and influence on the world around him by being better at reading and better at politics than everybody else. Mm. And there's a reason that, you know, the word Machiavellian means shifty, not to be trusted and manipulative. Um, in, in our vocabulary is because Machiavelli was a nasty piece of work. If you read The Prince, it's a fairly cynical piece of political writing, mm. which is the book that he's famous for. Yeah. But once again, George Martin can't help but try and find a way to make somebody apparently horrible, archetypally horrible, be somehow likable on some level. Mm. And mm. he's even managed to make us feel sympathy for Cersei, you know, so making us at that point making us feel sympathy for Niccolo Machiavelli is pretty good. <laughs> yep. So you draw um, a parallel between Machiavelli and, and Tyrion Lannister. I suppose there are. Yeah, things I, that, I yeah, really think so. Yeah, yeah, because and again, imagine how, how many mates did Machiavelli have? You know, who was who was he calling up to go down the pub? Was, All right, lads, should we go out on the piss? Fuck off, Machiavelli. What? No, you're just going to do some shit. You're going to rob me again. Or you're going to talk me into trying to shag the barman. Or you're going to steal all my money and say that it's for my own... No, fuck off. They must... Niccolo Machiavelli must have been the saddest man in Italy, I'll tell you. You're going out tonight. Is Machiavelli going? Yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm oh. a bit busy. Stay home. Netflix. Yeah, anyway. Um... It, the uh, Tyrion, it, yeah, I actually had some success this time in getting Grey Worm and Missendi to tell a couple of jokes and um, and just try and lighten up a bit. But just as <laughs> ju- just as he's getting there, um, he's interrupted by the sounds of loads of ships arriving for the masters of Yunkai and all these Astapor and Volantis, um, yeah. and they've come to lay siege to the city. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting. This is quite nice. Um, uh, Tyrion's interrupted as he's telling his joke about taking a honeycomb and a jackass to a brothel and um, it's the same joke 
that he was in the middle of telling in series one when he's in the eerie, do you know, in the middle of his trial. And oh, he says, really? I once took a jackal and a honeycomb into a brothel. And she says, enough, Tyrion. And then, <laughs> so I quite, I quite like how he's never getting the chance to finally finish this joke. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. And you know it's his best one as well, isn't it? That's the one he saves when he really needs to bring the house down. Yeah. And everybody keeps interrupting. Oh, for fuck's sake, you're robbing yourselves. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to hear the, the punchline. Um, but hopefully we will. I get the feeling they're gonna they're gonna use this again, maybe in a couple more series, seasons time. But hopefully, yeah. anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was a nice little way of tying that up. Um, we <laughs> we then go back to Riverrun, um, back to the Riverlands, um, as Jamie visits Edmure. Edmure looks up. He's like, "Oh, for God's sake, somebody <laughs> get me a coffee or a paracetamol or something, please!" You bastards! The bro code has been ignored here on several different levels. <laughs> My head is killing me. Yeah, not the least of which is I am hungover. Get me a cup of strong tea, six sugars, please, and a bacon it- sandwich. He says here, I've been in prison for years. And it sounded like he was saying, I've been in this prison of a hangover for years. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least it feels like years. Anyway, so yeah, Jamie visits Edmure. Um, Edmure, I thought the guy playing Edmure does a good job here of basically being the one survivor of the Red Wedding um, who was actually there for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. because so we've been we've been joking, haven't we, about the fact that Edmure, like Edmure, probably isn't going to get another line, mm. and then and then here he is, and he gets a scene, and he gets a scene in which he, for the first half of it, pretty much gets the better of Jamie Lannister, mm. and just has this kind of like very weather beaten and almost kind of nihilistic, um, weary kind of moral superiority. You know, he's not like yeah, you know, I'm I know better than you. I know I know better than you. I know you're going to win. I don't mm. care you're a shit and you know he's clearly enjoying hitting Jamie around the chops with it and I thought it was interesting at the beginning of this that Jamie's clearly quite affected by it I think because Brienne's in the camp you know because the relationship with Brienne is the only place in which he's he's seen an image of himself in which he is a person that you might want to be around Mm. Um, but then you can almost see him in the course of the scene change gears and just kind of go then yeah you know what I'm a shit Mm. I don't care Mm. And just and, and 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 once he's made that decision, you know, it's it's within fifteen seconds he's threatened to throw this guy's infant child against the wall using a catapult. It's like, oh, Jamie's back. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is the leverage he uses over Edmure. He says, um, you know, you've got a, a a baby son, which is the first we've heard of this, and that, although we did know it in the books. Um, and this is straight out of the books. He threatens to, as you say, catapult his child over the wall. Oh, um, it's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, and he's basically, it's quite clever here with Jamie, and he's using, uh, the first half of the scene is all about Edmure laying out just how much of a monster Jamie is. And Jamie uses that image of himself to um, to convince Edmure to, to sort of, to, to, to basically come to terms. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I was convinced as well here that he will do that. Jamie will actually do that if he has to. Yeah. Um, in, in, in the books, you're in his head. And from what I remember, Jamie's actually quite just saddened that someone believes that of him. And yeah. you, get the, you get the impression it's not something he would genuinely do. Um, yeah. But he knows that his reputation, 
means that he can threaten to do something like that and people think he will do it so he can use it as a negotiating chip if you like yeah um yeah. whereas obviously you can't you're a bit more limited in the series so i think he's a, he's a bit more of a simpler character of the series here where he genuinely is the kind of monster that will do that yeah and it, and the crucial difference there is that in the book he's kind of going through the motions to maintain power for its own sake and he had this kind of weariness hmm. meaningless everything is meaningless thing whereas in the tv series the only, he's decided the only thing in the world that's meaningful is his love for his sister Mm. and um, I'm, I think in the book it's far more it makes far more sense because mm. I can't for the life of me understand why after everything that's happened he still loves her um, Yeah, and, that's, and actually to a certain extent that's a problem with the series as a whole is that it's always been this from the moment one it's been this black hole of look at what they're look at what she's like look at what he's like but they just love one another, and that's one of the axioms of the series. Fine. Yeah. But I'm not so, I don't know about you, but do you feel like you've ever seen it? Do you ever feel like you've kind of gone, oh, I understand that relationship? I think I, I understand why... Um, I think this is where sort of having read the books helps with the series, because the big moment in the book, the reason that he um, basically cuts her off is when he releases Tyrion. Tyrion says she's been sleeping with yeah. everybody and yeah. um jamie believes it um he's always suspected it hasn't he because he's quite jealous yeah. anyway and and that's what pushed him over the edge and just the very fact that in the series Tyrion didn't say that yeah means that he's you know he, that that sort of break hasn't happened yet i still get the feeling that that might happen in the next couple of episodes if he finds out if sort of maybe something comes out at the trial um and that's what breaks them apart but uh yeah but oh, yeah that'd be quite interesting actually yeah but yeah. i think i think the series have have used that quite intelligently to um, make scenes like this work where we can all believe that he is the monster he says he is because he just cares about this one thing and everything is just to serve this one goal whereas as you yeah. say in the books by this stage he doesn't really have a goal he's just a bit lost and he's just trying to make the best decisions wherever he can and he's is yeah. more i think the book here it's more about telling the story of him and brienne and him yes. trying to find trying to work out what kind of person he wants to be now after after leaving cersei whereas in the series he's still yeah about all, all about just everything to, to stay with her. Yeah, and I yeah as I say, I think there's far more depth in the books to it, and mm. not just because you're in his head. Obviously, to a certain extent, a book is a deeper medium than a TV series, but um, but just his motivation just rings that much truer to me. Mm. Whereas right now, it's like you know the only the only explanation for it is this kind of adolescent total devotion, mm. um, which yeah I don't I don't understand. I wouldn't understand you having that sort of adolescent total devotion to somebody who was a completely wonderful and b not related to you hmm. so the fact that you know you're shagging your sister and she's a horrible person and you're like yep that's for me <laughs> what yeah yeah uh so, so we have the return of edmure um to the cut to riverham he says it's edmure open the gates and uh the the, the blackfish is in no mood to do that but is effectively um yeah, it's it's kind of a semi mutiny, isn't it? Like he he's yeah. in command, and he says, "Don't open the gates." And they say, "Look, the guy down there is actually the lord, so we've got to." Yeah. So they do it. Um, 
in comes Ed Muir and uh, he says, yeah, you know, we're going to surrender. And then he says, find the blackfish, put him in irons and give him to Jamie. And I thought that was a bit of a dick move, to be honest. Um, I, I, yeah. I, kind of, I kind of think for the rest of this, Ed Muir doesn't have a choice. Yeah. But um, I thought, I, again, I, I liked in the book, so this felt quite believable that he hates Jamie Lannister. Um, but he yeah. knows he's stuck in this position and he cares about his family. So yeah. he surrenders the castle. But as sort of a little fuck you, he finds a way of sneaking the blackfish out. Yeah, because uh, there's ways and ways, aren't yeah. there? Yeah, and, and, he, and he can just say, oh yeah, we turned the castle upside down, we couldn't find him. And it's entirely mm. believable. So yeah. I, don't, I, didn't, I thought, does he have to do this, Edmure? Yeah. <laughs> find yeah. him. Yeah, it totally is. And this was the moment where the promise of his scene earlier on, because I've previously described this character as portrayed by this actor in this TV series as just being a bit rubbish. <laughs> you know, a spineless posh dude number six. <laughs> and then and then he has this scene with Jamie where he gets beaten, fair enough, but he's a prisoner. Like, that was sort of expected. But he kind of holds his own and he mm. shows that he's got this sort of moral vision and he's got this sort of, you know, exactly, he's got a bit of fuck you about him. Wherever it is to be found, he wheels it out. And then in this, he walks into the castle and you're like, oh, is he going to hand it over to him? Is he going to do it? Is he, oh, he is going to do it. Oh, I suppose that's a man of honour thing to do. Hmm. Yeah. What? The blackfish? Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and fucking then, it, well, we'll get to it, but I was not happy about what happens to the blackfish. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, we will get to that. Um, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, that, that is the bit with Edmure that I've... Because the rest of it, he's, he's got a lot of stick... Um, on sort of online for just the decision to give up and how you know the, the blackfish is in the right he's the honorable one and Edmure is the spineless wimp who gives the castle over but i kind of think you know if you're in if i kind of i can see that point and i agree from the sort of a, a reader perspective but um if you kind of put yourself in the head of say you're one of those soldiers in the castle with your wife and kids hiding in the sort of in the in the yeah. inner parts of the castle you'd be yeah. pretty pleased that um Edmure makes this decision i kind of feel like he's very similar to sort of like Wyman Manderley in the books that he's it's laws like that they're the kind of laws that you want over you um the ones that are fair and will stand up for you know if they can and for what's right but aren't the fight to the last man everybody dies for the cause types um because you're kind of stuck with a kind of nutty (laughs) fundamentalist guy then aren't you yeah 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 exactly and you are going to do what he tells you to do clearly Mm. I thought this was actually, there was an interesting little piece of this scene as well where the only people who seem to give two shits about paying attention to the rules of what lordship is are people who do not benefit enormously by it. Because mm. remember, this is a siege being mounted by the phrase who totally overturned every rule of diplomacy and civilization by killing everybody at the Red Wedding after they'd eaten their bread and salt. Mm. You know, and they specifically brought them bread and salt and mm. then killed them. Um, so it's... Yeah, I, I thought this was a really interesting image of how it's never the lords that get screwed by this, except the blackfish, I suppose. <laughs> but it's it's far more, you know, because those soldiers, want, oh, come on, once the, once the phrase are running through the castle, they're hardly going to be like, well, obviously, uh, we'll, we'll honour your honour, and absolutely nobody here is going to get horribly garroted over the, a loaf <laughs> of bread. You yeah, know, of course yeah. they're going to run through the place fucking killing everybody. Yeah, that's true, yeah. There's an element of that as well. Okay, let's... Let's talk about the blackfish then. So they, um, Edmure says, stick him in chains. Then we cut to Brienne and Pod sort of rowing the way out and saying to the blackfish, come on, let's get out of here. 
and he says, no, you're better off without me. He, he says it as a massive attack of the sort of clinical depressed, uh, where he says, no, you, you'll be better off without me. You'd be a far better help than I could ever be. I'm going to just wander back up these stairs and get myself killed. Mm. Um, now, uh, here's what I thought with this. Um, I think here, actually, it's one of the few examples where reading the books actually puts you at a disadvantage insofar as it makes you enjoy the series less. Because I think yeah. if you look at the Blackfish purely from a series point of view, yeah. he, you can kind of think this is in character, that he's just some stubborn old guy um, who's been around a long time and now is just he's been so married to keeping hold of this castle that he cares more about that than anything else, so fine. Um, yeah. But in the books, he's such a he's, he's a much more you you find out a lot more about him. He's more well rounded, and not yeah. only is he very pragmatic, and that's yeah. what he's known for being this sort yeah. of loose cannon guy who does his own thing and sort of is a bit more sort of light on his feet than most lords can be because he's more pragmatic and stuff. Um, yeah. But he's also this uh, very loyal to his family, and and he's, he, he loves cats especially, and her daughters and things like that. And also, he's sort of there's so many. There's quite a few points in Rob's campaign where Cat wishes that the Blackfish was there because he's known as this guy who's very good at scouting out and very good at set. He's run campaigns before as well, so he's got yeah. so much to sort of bring to that kind of cat. So like a campaign in the north as well. So he's like, what are you doing? Yeah, and, and yeah. I I found this from a book reader's perspective very hard to watch and a real waste of a character yeah yeah absolutely and the fact so all of that I mean the guy playing it I wish I knew his name but the guy playing him is fantastic Mm. like I believed him I believed him when he was saying it and there was there was a certain amount of the boy's own bravado about him kind of going I'll probably make a damn fool of myself tally ho Mm. like that was quite that was quite good if you're going to go in that direction Um, it's the fact that he gets killed off screen yeah. That's the thing that's the thing that really pissed me off. I was like, look, you've got this fantastic actor playing this fantastic character who is interesting and stubborn and characterful. And you're just gonna have it be like somebody walks on and goes, The Blackfish is dead. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you can't just, you know Yeah. You know, do that with well, do that with anybody you like. Don't do that with the Blackfish. The Blackfish is too much fun. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, with that as well, getting killed off screen, because the series has become such uh, so keen on bringing characters back and fake killing characters, you kind of almost thinking here as well. I- I'm 99% sure he's dead, but you're also a bit of it's taken away because you're thinking, oh, is that just leaving a leaving an out so we can see him pop up at in Winterfell later on? And if he yeah. does, this is going to just be another. For me, it's just going to be another pretty much eye roll. I'll be like, oh. Come yeah, on. and that's the. I mean, and we've touched on this, I think, and I, I think, I think we may be experiencing a certain amount of Game of Thrones fatigue. But it is undeniable that when you when you kill characters for effect and then bring them back the next episode, or you kill characters and then they survive, or whatever it is, you don't. It stops meaning the same amount to you. Mm. And I think you know you could easily call that the Game of Thrones problem. Because for all that it's beautiful, look the scale of it, the production values, the the plotting, the scripting, the shooting—it's great TV like this. My word! But there's still emotionally, you're just a bit like, yeah, but are they going to come back next episode? Mm. You know, and and if they are, then I'm less engaged in this than you want me to be. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I do think he's gone for good, but I think it's more down to the fact that they need to trim the cast now. And I, <laughs> I, I, just, I felt that on the second watch, as he's, um, as he's saying, like, Brienne's like, come on, we've, we've, we've got to get out. And there's no reason why you can't leave with us now, because literally there is no reason why he can't leave with them now. And he goes, yeah. Brienne, you'll be so much better at this than me. I feel like what he was really saying is, Brienne, We've only got a season left. We've got to trim some characters here. <laughs> and you're more interesting than I am. So I'm going back <laughs> yeah. up the stairs. We've put, ultimately, we've put more time into you than we put into me. So it's time <laughs> for time to die. <laughs> Your character armour is much more shiny than mine. I've got to go. So um, so poor, poor Blackfish, victim to the trimmed cast in um, probably the most, I would, I would say, the most underwhelming death of the series. The entire series. Oh, um, so that's. You know what? I was I was going to object there. I was going to try and see if I could think of somebody. No, no, that's, yeah. that is some pretty underwhelming shite, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can't, couldn't think of it. I, if, oh no! Hang on! Hang on! Hang go on. on. Everybody who died at the fist of the first men. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The, the entire the nope out battle, as we're going to call it from now on. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I suppose if, Ge- if if Gendry got eaten by a whale or something, we don't know what's happened to him, do we? But whatever <laughs> happened, it happened off screen. So that was pretty underwhelming. No, but, we're still we're still on board the train where Gendry's just going to have taken a very long time in a very small rowboat to go quite a long way. <laughs> You're going to arrive in time for the finale. That's all it is. I still love that idea of the final episode of the series him rowing into King's Landing with the biggest arms you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I've been eaten. I started off, I was a young man. Now I am the old man, and that's the sea. Trust me, I looked. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he turns into that jester in the book that fell in the sea and um, went a bit crazy. Um, but yeah, what's it called? Yeah. Bumpkin or whatever. I don't know. Bumpkin. <laughs> what's it called? The, 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 I one, know, I... the Jingle Bell, the one that was knocking about with Shireen. Oh, oh God. Um, patches. Was it patches? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, it was one of them. The, the, yeah. The, yeah, there aren't any jesters in the in the series, which, to be honest, is a blessing, isn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They've given a fair crack of the whip to the actors. This is the third episode in a row where we've had those actors in um, in Bravos. <laughs> quite enjoyed them because they de- at least one of those episodes they had Kevin Eldon on screen, and you can't get a better example of a modern day jester, can you? Really. <laughs> Well, yeah, there is that, I suppose. Yeah, so they snuck one in there for you. Um, We uh, move on to... uh, I think that's all we we need for that. Yeah, move on to the water-based siege that's begun over at Marine. Um, There's a a bit of panic setting in where they're trying to work out how on earth they're going to defend themselves now. Grey Worm's saying that we're going to just have to sort of form up at the Great Pyramid and sort of make a stand there. Tyrion's like, okay... And then something lands on the roof. They open the doors to the balcony, and in comes Daenerys. Back. Hey! Now this is the moment where I was a bit like bollocks. <laughs> Faceless men in it. I honestly thought she was just going to turn out to be the waif, just gone mental and start <laughs> killing people there. But no, you know, because she's not dead, so they don't have her face. So, <laughs> do you reckon she's going to say to Tyrion, "Right, go unlock those dragons. Um, I've, I've worked out how to tame them." Yeah, about that. Uh, <laughs> kind of set them free. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you 
Let, let me repeat this. You fucking what? <laughs> yeah, but that's great. I mean, so that sets up, um, I assume, some big battle at Marine fairly soon where uh, Daenerys plus Dragon plus massive horde of Dothraki go up against the uh, the Masters of Yunkai. Yep. And the and the other ones. Either um, that but, or they won't have the budget for it and they'll just they'll just nope out of it again. <laughs> and just episode ten is gonna end with her going Attack <laughs> Cut to black. Then what they need to do is um bring in that Lannister guardsman from Riverrun who can just say <laughs> just get Tyrion to say has the battle started yet? It's finished and Daenerys won. Thank you very much, Lannister Guardsman <laughs> plot. <laughs> Off-screen off, off plot device, man. I was going to say, <laughs> Lannister Guardsman plot money saver. <laughs> much obliged. He should have been a recurring character. He should have been the guy up at the uh, Fist of the First Men. It was like, <laughs> just, just wanders out the snow to Sam. They've all died. Now you've got to run away. Okay, yeah. thanks. All right, cheers. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> I love that. Lannister plot contrivance, man. Uh, anyway... Um, very short scene that because straight away we cut back down to um, the hound as he comes across here a few blasts from the past we've got a a few characters who've turned up after a few seasons out and here are a couple more Beric and Thoros turn up and you know what I had quite a good for once I had quite a good hit rate last week in trying to predict what was going to happen a, I noticed that. Yeah, A, that Arya runs off to Lady Crane, which happened, and B, that this Brotherhood guys weren't actually the Brotherhood. Um, or were, what? Well, they, well, we were kind of both right. We're, I'm going to try and claim this. We yeah. Were, yeah, no, they were the, they were of the, they were claiming to be the Brotherhood. They were, yeah. were they from the Brotherhood and then went mental, right? Yeah, that's right. So, so it's basically members of the Brotherhood that have gone rogue, this, isn't it? Yeah. But I will, I will admit that my whole complicated and convoluted scenario involving, on both sides, involving either Lady Stoneheart or, um, uh, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, this was all going to lead up to Clegane Bowl. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, both of those have fallen below the waves with massive gaping holes <laughs> in the hole. So I think you win that one. I think I, I got elaborate and that was not the way to go. <laughs> so uh, the Hound says, look, I've been after these because they've basically got the three three of the guys, well, the three guys who massacred the townsfolk, are now standing there, just about to be hung. And uh, the hound says, "Look, I want to kill these guys as revenge." In the end, Beric says, "You can kill two of them, but you can't. <laughs> you can't use your axe. You got to hang them." He's gutted about that. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I love, I love the sort of extremely robust banter here, where he's like, "Gonna kill him." No, you can't. I'll kill one of them. Yeah, all right. Kill two of them. Yeah, okay. I'm going to fucking gut them. You're not. I am. You're not. Pussy. You know? Just this sort of like, you're not going to let me horribly disembowel him. Fuck you as well, then. He goes, um, I'm going to disembowel, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to gut them. You're not. Gut one of them. No. A hand? No. <laughs> He's, um... Spaced, isn't it? <laughs> can, can I bring my guns? No. No grenades? No. Anthrax? No, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but he still manages to sort of kick away the box in quite a, in a quite a badass way. Where this, they're, they're still talking, and um, he says, "Name's like yeah. Time was that I killed all of you just to just to gut these lot." And Thoros says, "You're getting old," and he just goes, "He's not," and kicks the box away. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 
Bants. Bants. Um, oh, something about these guys, which I didn't notice in the uh, last episode. Uh, the guy in the middle, the leader, has got this uh, yellow, like a off yellow cloak on. Yeah, um, I so, noticed they mentioned that. Yeah, so he's actually um, Lem Lemon Cloak in the book. Yeah, and w- when they mentioned that he had a yellow cloak on, I'll, I'll admit I was sitting there going, yeah, score one to Dave. <laughs> yeah, brother, yeah. Except then I realised that that was the guy who I said looked like Beric Dondarrion. And now they've been on screen together, I'm like, he does look like Beric Dondarrion <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> Otherwise looks nothing like him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and Lem Lemon Cloak in the books is this guy who, um, I mean, he, he he fights with the Brotherhood. He seems like he is a very decent guy, but he's been through a lot of crap. He's lost his wife and daughter, um, yeah. and he is one of the members of the Brotherhood who just get really, really. He, he's he sort of he sort of personifies this sort of decline of the Brotherhood in the books, isn't he? Where he they end up just. Um, killing for revenge for anybody they think of has wronged the Starks or the small folk, and yeah. the um, in the books the whole operation becomes less about protecting the small folk and more about taking revenge on the people that they think have done wrong. Um, yeah. Whereas here he just goes completely off the rails early doors and starts slaughtering innocent people. Um, you now in the books he. Uh, he ends up taking the hound's helmet helm. Do you know the big uh, dog helm that the hound used to have? Yeah. He um he takes that from a guy who takes it from the hound's grave, and yeah. I quite like in this it's a reversal. It's a mirror of it, and the hound takes his boots while he's still yeah. dying, which is quite cool. Yeah, yeah. Quite a few. Call, I mean, uh, quite sort of hor- horrifyingly callous. I think might be what you meant to say there. Well, if you're talking about a guy who just massacred a lot of women and children, I've got a limited sort of uh, sympathy for him, to be honest. Look for the humanity in everybody, Matt. No, never mind, never mind. (laughs) Uh, So so there you go. Um, So then uh, after the killing is done, they all sit down by the campfire to have a chat and the hound joins them to eat a bit. Um, I don't know what the food is that they're having, but I love this where they say, you know, you're enjoying that? And the hound says, I'd have preferred chicken. Because we all know how much he loves his chicken from uh, a few series ago in that uh, in that inn. <laughs> I'm going to have to eat every piece of chicken in this pub. <laughs> yeah. Um, the hound also gets up and uh, pees in the lake, or pees in the river. Um, and I've seen online people say that uh, this thing, the hound pissing in the river, is uh, a little sort of... Uh, uh, there's a little sort of laugh at the, the the show laughing at the Lady Stoneheart truthers because um, <laughs> she she's found in a river and brought back to life. Oh, uh, mm. so you think he was going to walk there? They're, they're yanking everybody around there where she walks over. Uh, he's supposed to walk over and start having a piss and then go, fucking hell. <laughs> um, Have you so seen Lady, his ear? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you, do you know that she's. is Was. Were you ignoring her? I, I say no more. I'm out. I'm not asking. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, yeah. So, can, well, no, actually, no. We're not going to talk about Lady Stoneheart because we are not yet in the bunker full of spoilers. Yeah, we'll save but that. I'm curious. We'll, we'll put a pin in that. Yeah, but um. Yeah, something to come back to, I suppose. Um. He gets he gets an offer, basically, the Hound here to join the Brotherhood, um, and you know he, he says you know. Uh, 
the Lord of Light, Beric says the Lord of Light let you beat me for a reason. Um, and the hound just says, no, it's just because I'm better than you. I <laughs> did, did you get the impression, he, the hound, the guy playing him, is, he is Scottish, but he went really Scottish in this scene. Yeah, he did. There were a few moments, like when he has to be sarcastically sarcastically dismissive and win that way he becomes Scottish and it's brilliant yeah. he's very clearly Rory McCann is just like you know what this line sounds better in Scots <laughs> I better was... than you <laughs> I was better than you then I'm better than you now <laughs> yeah it is and right and I'll, I'll well no actually I won't. I won't I'll just say that that level me and you doing Scottish accents neither of us being Scottish is still better than a lot of Scottish accents I see in a lot of American produced <laughs> TV series yeah. if you ever have a chance to watch a TV series called Outlander right <laughs> don't do not watch that TV series yeah uh, one of the reasons the uh, well the big reason the bro- Brotherhood say you should join up is because their purpose now apparently is to counteract the threat in the north. They say the cold winds are rising in the north and um, the, oh, dead are, yeah. the dead are coming, basically. Um, so, the brother- How do they know about that? Well, I was about to say, yeah. The Brotherhood are on board with this um, shit's going down in the north plan. And yeah, how do they know? We don't know, well, is the answer. Yeah, I mean, heard it on the news. I don't know. <laughs> Got the radio on. Could be... <laughs> Um, no, I don't know because Thoros isn't exactly a sort of fire seer, is he? He doesn't. He, he hasn't done this thing where he sets the things on fire and looks into the flames and goes, "Ooh, mm. ooh!" Cryptic plot points from future series. Yeah. All he does is lie on top of Beric whenever he gets killed and goes, "Go on then, come on, back <laughs> on your feet." Yeah. Well, here's the thing: in the in the books, there would be an explanation for this because in the books, the Brotherhood without banners um, often, well, on occasion, go to this weird little hill. And um, see this person who we think is one of the children of the forest. Remember this little old woman who comes out and she's almost like a Westerosi breaking news service and she can tell yeah. them about things that are going on that she sort of sees in her visions. And yeah. I think I think yeah. actually she like demands a kiss from Lem Lem and Cloak every time she does oh, it. And yes. he, another thing that pisses him off. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, so so there is a um there is a way that they could have found out from a book perspective. We've never seen that in the series. Um, also, from from that side of things, if that kind of thing happens, that's an interesting mingling of the two types of gods because obviously the children of the forest are very old godsy, and yeah. the Lord of Light thing is obviously the very red goddy. So maybe that's how they've done it. But if that's the case, we need some kind of some kind of indication from the series because that's just entirely book canon at this stage. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, so that's where we leave that. Then we cut back over to Bravos, and Lady Crane is killed. Um, Just like the way that. this, ha- yeah, the way this happens. Actually, I, I thought it was quite good because it was a good sort of um, horror, mo- like well shot horror moment where she stands yeah. on the chair to to reach the top shelf, and you see. In the background, in the background, somebody, yeah. yeah, and then it, there's that sudden cut, and you, it's just this guy just looking at her, expressionless, and then there's yeah. that thud. I thought that was really great, sort of creepy, classic horror um, series of shots there. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll admit that it lost some of its some of its tightly paced and and uh, and well well mounted and shot tension um, 
because my screen wasn't working very well at the time. But <laughs> I, I got the point. All I got in this was she gets up on a stool and I'm like, oh, shit's going to get real. Something about the framing, you know shit's going to get real. Because if somebody's <laughs> doing something apparently innocuous, that which isn't immediately clear, you know they're either going to kill somebody or about to get killed. And then the next thing I saw was some bloke standing by the door and I was like... Oh, yeah. And then the next shot I had was the one where Arya walks into the room and she's, like, tangled up in this chair with her head hanging off by a flap of skin. And I was like, <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That's an interesting way of encountering the... Uh, it's like watching it as a storyboard, but... <laughs> this is great because it sounds basically that like that you've watched this episode in the same way that 11-year-old me used to watch that dodgy Jurassic Park copy of the <laughs> film. If, if you listen to our Jurassic Brilliant. Park podcast, that's uh, the film podcast that we did. Um, that's how I used to watch it was on, on um, when I was little. Uh, we got hold of this like version of it before it was out from the cinema. <laughs> and it was really, really grainy and hard to see. Um, and yeah, so you see, you start seeing things that aren't there, or you don't yeah. quite work out what's going on. Yeah, um, it, it was it was very much like that, very yeah. much like that. So anyway, so Lady Crane's killed um, for being the wrong place at the wrong time, and um, we then move into uh, the final level of Super Are You Beatdown Party '98, uh, which is a it's a chase scene uh, through the uh, through the streets of Bravos. Um, now, is this where you want to highlight the fact that this dreadful wound to Aya's stomach would mean this is kind of impossible? It's a little bit cartoon. Doesn't seem to get in the way of her performing Olympic standard parkour. It's, <laughs> yes. it's a little bit cartoony, this, isn't it, in that sense? Just a touch. Just, just the tiniest bit. I kind of wonder why they didn't have her just sort of... Um, maybe it was obviously just for the tension for the end of the last episode, but... It maybe would have been better if, like, on the bridge, she'd have just sort of got, like, slashed on the arm or something as she tried to jump over and was just some kind of wound that isn't as serious yeah, as what she's got. Yeah, terminal as a two stabs to the belly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be true that you live for a long time with belly wounds, and that's why they're so terrible, hmm. is that they're very painful and you die slowly. Hmm. But, yeah, no, this was a little bit, I don't know. Yeah, didn't buy it. Didn't buy it myself. Hmm. So it ends, if, if we're going to keep the Super A Beatdown Party 98 analysis going, it's a boss fight in the darkness. The final boss is uh, the waif coming in um, to try and kill it. I quite like this where she um, Aya basically cuts the lights to even the chances because she's been <laughs> she's basically been training for this for the entire uh, time she's been here. Yeah, and that's how she gets the better of her. I assume she um, picks up her, you know, medipack power up or something, because by the time she reaches the uh, the house of the undark, not the house of the undying, what's it called? The one house of black and white. She's no. um, no, had the the, the house <laughs> black and white. Yeah, you just wanted me to sing it again, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, the time she get by the time she gets there, she seems to have recovered. Um, but anyway, we'll put that to one side. She has the wave's face. Which she places on the um, on the pillars, and then meets Jake and, and says, "You sent her to kill me, didn't you?" Yeah. And Jake and kind of sort of goes, "Hmm, you finally passed the test. Welcome to the faceless men." And she she basically does an Eric calm, and she just goes, "Screw you guys, I'm <laughs> going home." <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way of doing this scene. There was something about this scene. While I love the fact that she finally has seems to have acquired a sense of self and purpose 
And can we all take a moment and celebrate the fact that it's taken a long time <laughs> for her to reach this point? Still and nonetheless, I was a little I was a little bit left cold by the fact that this scene basically is it was so by the numbers sort of weird religious <laughs> environment where Jake and Agar basically goes, A girl has finally done everything I was telling her to do. She goes, Fuck you, no I haven't and he goes Excellent, excellent. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, of course you were going to do that. Like, you're not going to ask him, what have you been putting me through this whole time? You're not going to ask him, why am I like this? Why yeah. has this been happening? No, 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 no. No emotional catharsis whatsoever. Just a tiny sword, a big fuck you, and a cryptic smile. <laughs> At least, the, though. It's the faceless sorry. man way. It is. It's the faceless <laughs> man way. Now, I will say this, however. As... Slight, as underwhelming as this was, I will say this. At the very least, she didn't pursue any further, or at least I fucking hope not, <laughs> pursue any further the conversation that she was having with the actress at the start of the episode when she was getting patched up, where she seemed to be saying that she was going to go on another interminable journey on the other side of Westeros. Oh, yeah. Where she goes, Westeros is in the west, Essos is in the east. What's to the west of Westeros? And the actress goes, I've no idea. And she goes, nobody has. That's where the maps stop. And I was like, if you replace Arya Stark goes for a walk in Westeros with Arya Stark goes for a swim slightly to the left of Westeros, I am going to go full fucking Hulk smash. <laughs> yeah, luckily she seems to have changed her mind now, hasn't she? She's, she's going home instead. Yeah. Um, so, excellent. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's, where we, that's where we end the episode. And um, that's where we end the, uh, well... So we end our first part of our podcast. We've now got the bunker full of spoilers to enter. Um, hey! so, so we'll talk about a couple of fan theories. I've also got something specific to mention about the um, about next week's episode this time as well. So, oh, yeah? so we'll in fact, I, I'm. Oops. Yeah. In, in fact, I might do that instead of taking a um, taking a couple of our theories down from the shelf this time. Um, so if you want to join us in the bunker full of spoilers for special next week preview, um, then stick around after the music. You know, some people think that that's a jingle. <laughs> as, as if, as if I've created a jingle like that. <laughs> you know, of, of course you wouldn't. Why would you do that when you can do it live every time? You're not, you're not Hollywood, Matt. You're the West End. Exactly. So that was the door. In case you didn't, in case you didn't get it, that was the door opening <laughs> for the bunker full of spoilers. In the finest tradition of the West End, explaining the dramatic <laughs> thing that you just did in more literal terms. Beautiful. Yeah. Now we have said that in the past, the um, the show has been shelling the bunker full of spoilers and scored one or two direct hits that have blown a couple of the uh, a couple of the theories off the shelves. Well, um, unfortunately, this week, um, I suppose I. 
kind of accidentally set off a grenade inside the bunker full of spoilers. <laughs> because, because I've had to wipe and um, re basically reinstall all the things on my laptop, which is yeah. which is basically um, included all the links to my um, carefully oh, no. <laughs> carefully curated spoiler notes um, being oh. deleted. So. I do still have the titles, but I don't. I, I would. I wouldn't want to do these without having the appropriate amount of backup information. I know. Can you believe that I actually do have some backup information for these? But um, I, I, I don't believe a word of it, Matt. Yeah. So um, I think it's best if we wait till next week before we talk more about uh, everything from uh, Sons of the ID right through to Riding the Dragon and Jojen Paste and all that stuff. Um, if we leave that to one side for this week, and um, I just wanted to talk about something for next week. Oh, actually, firstly, um, should we talk a little bit about Lady Stoneheart? Because, as, as yes. we said earlier on, we, we, actually, we've got two things to talk about here. We've got Lady Stoneheart and Clegane Bowl. So, Lady Stoneheart yeah. for one. So, yeah. a lot of people, Lady Stoneheart truthers, uh, were, <laughs> yeah, were, 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 were saying that um, the appearance of Beric, this this week basically kills this theory oh it's going to be Beric now um, he's back mm. still but I kind of thought when Beric turned up I thought the opposite I thought oh th- this shows that th- the reason I thought Lady Stoneheart wasn't going to happen is that they've just dropped this Brotherhood without banners stuff and it's gone now yeah. from the series the fact that it's come back suggests that maybe we, we are going to get that we just haven't got beyond the Beric kills himself bit yet what do you yeah. think um I don't know. And I, it's not been clear to me because it was only part of one of those... It was one of the somebody's definitely going to die here epilogues, wasn't it? It was at mm. the end of um, Storm of Swords. Yeah. Um, is the is the is where Lady Stoneheart makes an appearance. Mm. And then again at the end of A Feast of Crows when Brienne nearly dies for the ninth time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, she's canon in the TV series, in the book even. Um, but for some reason, the TV series just does not want a piece of it. Yeah, and or maybe it's saving why do you think it. That is? I think maybe it's saving it. I, may, I think maybe this is a series, sort of final series reveal. Could be, and fair enough. But in that case, don't you have the problem with her that you had with Ned Stark that she's decomposing at this point? Like you need to be <laughs> resurrected pretty fucking quickly after you die. Yeah, and. And she hasn't been in the TV series. What are they going to do? Be like, oh, BT dubs. We're actually all now being directed by this terrifying zombie woman with a massive hole in her neck who can only talk through hissing and malevolent sideways glances who looks a lot like Catelyn Stark. Should have <laughs> mentioned. Sorry. We yeah. just, she was having a nap every single time we appeared on screen before now. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, Walder Frey is a freaky kind of guy. Maybe he's got her sort of... <laughs> maybe he's got a like we'll cut to a scene with him next next season and she's sort of he's got her body floating in thamaldehyde or <laughs> it's pickled her body he's going the full on mausoleum of Lenin approach <laughs> yeah yeah maybe that's it um, yeah. but yeah I still think that there may be something in it or it may be one of these ones where they have just they have just dropped it and yeah. they, they just thought it was a fantasy zombie thing too far to bring her back I think but, that that is a little bit like making a war film and then going, oh yeah, but we can't have another person die by being shot, can we? <laughs> like it, it seems pretty clear to me that fantasy zombie thing is what George Martin thinks this series is about. So you know, it's a weird <laughs> place to draw the line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've uh, 
yeah, that, 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 that that's pretty true. But I would say that um, overall, it's still for me sort of up in the air whether whether she comes back or not. I wouldn't say it's definitely not or definitely so just yet. Um, yeah. The Clegane Bowl one. I'm beginning. To, I'm beginning to wonder if this is one of the first real examples and uh, sort of lessons of how just a massive sort of uh, snowballing fan theory uh, discussion online. Um, how when one of those things happens, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's ever going to happen on screen or ever going to happen in the yeah. books. And maybe this just this whole. Uh, two Cleganes going up against each other down in King's Landing is just rubbish, to be honest. Um, and I'm thinking that might be the case. Uh, you know what? If it is, it's just a theory, isn't it? Some people are getting very upset about this, and I kind of think, yeah, there's still there are interesting things for the Hound to do if he goes north, um, and there are interesting developments to happen in King's Landing to the Mountain's corpse without any involvement of his brother. So. I don't know. I'm kind of. I kind of think that Clegane Bowl maybe is one of those ones, one of those rare occasions where there's a massive fan theory online, which actually turns out to be rubbish. Yeah. And I'm kind of. I'm kind of yeah. made a piece with that as well. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I think that's. I think it's definitely not going to be disappointing whatever happens to the to the, the hound, but it's less. It's less thematically fulfilling, you know, not to have him come back. Them both basically come back from beyond the grave in order to fight each other again. Mm. Um, you know that would be more powerful than you know here's this badass that we brought back from the dead in order to just be another badass in a country full of badasses. That's like okay, oh, cool, all right, I guess, great. Yeah, but it doesn't have that same heft and that same you know. But who can say? Maybe it's great. Now um, looking ahead to the next episode, mm. the next episode is called. Mm. The Battle of the Bastards. Um, Is it really? Yeah. Which That's not the sort of thing you want to announce. Because now <laughs> it's like, oh, I wonder why there was no Jon Snow in this episode. <laughs> yeah. So um, now there's something that I came across online. This is actually a shout out thanks to uh, the Make Westeros Great Again podcast, um, which is uh, which has put, put this out on Twitter. But it's the... Um, it's the Battle of the Bastards uh, betting slip, basically. And it's basically, um, as a betting slip, uh, Battle of the Bastards death parlay, uh, which character will die? Select Y or N for each. And it's just a list of all the characters that we expect ah. will be involved with <laughs> the Battle of the Bastards. Um, it's got payout below, 12 right, 1 to 1, 13, 3 to 1, 14 right, 5 to 1. <laughs> If you get all 16 right, 20 right, to one. to one, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, should we go through these and, and say whether you... So, yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So, for the for the, for the first thing, so it's, it's worth assuming, I suppose, isn't it now, that the Battle of the Bastards will mean that next week we'll have the big fight between Ramsay and, um, Ramsay and his lot against John and whoever he's got. Yeah. So, um, let's predict for each of us what we think is going to happen here. I reckon I'm, um, I might be doing this on a ill-advised sudden burst of confidence after getting two predictions right last week. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you're spinning that as I knew it was coming all along. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so Brienne of Tarth, is she going to survive next week? That's a good question. 
maybe no. You think she's thinks she might yeah. buy it. If you can get rid of Stannis off screen, you can get rid of anything. I, I think Brienne I'm I think I'm pretty sure Brienne will survive next week. Mainly because I still think this um there's there's more to come with her and Jamie. Mm. Um but Davos Seaworth. Oh, oh you know what? Yeah. I think he's gonna die. Ooh. What makes you think that? Um it's a song of ice and fire. <laughs> Sorry, all right, okay. Um, again, like Brienne, I kind of feel like he's recently come to a point where, like, you know, he's a certain amount of resolution has gone on in his life. Hmm. And um, and also, we saw a side of him last week, you know, when he went in to try and break up that fight, hmm. um, which wasn't, which we haven't seen. And whenever a character does something slightly interesting instead of just constantly reinforcing the sort of character they are, hmm. then they're probably going to die next episode. Okay, um, so you got, so you got two two deaths already there. Two um, deaths, two deaths. I I think I don't think he's um, I don't I don't know I'm able to explain why, but I don't think Davos is gonna gonna die next week. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a death in battle kind of kind of character Davos, but we'll see. Mm. The mm. next one on the list is Edison Tollett, which I think is um, Dolores Ed. I'm not quite sure why he's on there because he I assume he won't be involved because. He's still at the wall, um, but I mean, so I yeah. would say survive for that. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Survive. Ghost. Oh, I mean, it's die, it's direwolf carnage, isn't it? The last few episodes, <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, he's yeah, he's done. He's done. Ghost you know, is over. You know what? I think I think you might there might be something in that. I'm going to go for ghost ghost to die as well. Yeah. Um, just because I think they've been killing him off because they realise that it's just not going to work with the CGI. <laughs> Yeah, Harold um, Karstark, uh, the sort of new Karstark guy. Oh yeah. Um, no, no, I think he survives. One really? Oh yeah. I, I, no, I think he's a goner. I think he's gonna. All right. I think he's gonna buy it. Um, <laughs> John Snow. Well, <laughs> I don't think they're gonna have Ramsay die. And you can't have the Battle of the Bastards without one of them dying. Mm. But if you kill Jon Snow again, I will leave an appreciable <laughs> pockmark in the surface of the earth when I explode. <laughs> you can't do it twice in eight episodes and expect to have the same the same impact. No, just no. So, um, no, I think he's going to stay alive. Yeah, I think Jon Snow stay alive, definitely. Uh, Littlefinger. Oh, he's gonna stay alive for the rest of the fucking time. He's a cockroach, that bloke. Yeah. You can't you nuke him and he'd survive. Yeah, I think Littlefinger survives Plus, as well. He's never gonna find him put himself in a position where he actually has to fight because he's shit at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lyanna Mormont, that little kid. Oh, um, she's not there, is she? She's not leading him. She's staying on Bear Island. No, no, she was she was um when they were all last week when the the army was on the march and they were camping, she was you saw her walking through the, the camp. Oh, so she's definitely hell. there. Oh, either they forget that she's there entirely or something totally horrendous happens to her. <laughs> um, I'm going to say they forget about her entirely. So survive. Survives. Yeah, I agree. I think she'll survive. Uh, Melisandre. I, t- I tell you what, where's she yeah. gone? Ever, yeah. si- ever since the that's wall. A, that's she an even... excellent fucking question. <laughs> but did she, even, did she even go with them? 
No, if she, if she hasn't, no, 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 they haven't been wandering around saying we're working for the Red God now. See, here is Lady Melisandre. She just—I don't know where she went because the last time, last conversation I remember her being in was um, at the wall. The conversation, yeah, at the wall. The conversation with Davos. Yeah. Like what happened to Shireen? And she's the most awkward conversation ever. Um, uh, yeah. So I don't. I mean, if she's there, maybe, but I don't know whether she is. Yeah. Um, if she's there, she dies. If she's not, she doesn't. Oh, you're hedging your bets a bit there. I think you're, I'm gonna have I to. Am. I'm gonna have to force you to pick one or the other. I'm oh gonna... well, I'm not responsible for their shit storytelling. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea where in the world she is. If I go, yeah, she's definitely gonna die next time. And the first, the opening shot of the next episode is her on a beach in Pentos with a little drink with <laughs> an umbrella in it. I'm like a proper <laughs> fucking child. <aren't> I? <laughs> Well, I'm going to say survive because I'm not. Sh- yeah, I, like you, I'm not sure she's going to be there. All right. Yeah. Okay. We'll play the odds. She survives. <laughs> I don't think she's going to be there. In the same way as I survived the Battle of Britain because I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next one is oh, Podrick Payne. This is a tricky one. I think if Brienne dies, he dies. I think he's done. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think their their fates are tied. But as soon as I've said. Brand to survive, I'll say pod to survive as well. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah I'm not. <clears throat> that's the one, one of the ones here where I I'm not confident in that at all. But survive, mm. Ramsey Bolton. Um. Now here's an interesting thing. He succeeded basically by being better at politics by being a bastard than anybody else, right? Mm. He's actually, we've never seen him command troops, not once. And nobody likes him, and nobody trusts him. Hmm. Well, he, he did command the troops in the route of Stannis's army. He was the guy leading them. There. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but we didn't see it, did we? We just cut to Stannis bleeding out on a pile of snow. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. Okay, fair enough. Um, is it episode nine next time? Yeah. Yeah, all right, he's dying. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think, I think he's going to buy it. I think I think yeah. he's he's going to get his comeuppance in the next episode, so I'll say die as well. Yeah, Rickon Stark. Uh, I think he's going to die. I think I think um, I think that's the opening. That's the opening scene of the battle. Yeah, he's, you know they're all out. The army's out the front. Uh, Ramsay's out on the battlements, and Snow's like, "Give me my house back!" And Ramsay's like, "Sucks to be you." <laughs> And cuts Rickon's head off right there, and that's the that's the opening provocation for the battle. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think something along those lines too. Maybe something like um, he might shout, "Give me my brother back!" and he'll go, "Here you go!" and like fling his head over him or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sansa Stark. Uh, she'll survive because she infuriates me. Mm, uh, I kind of think she will. But I also I could also see something happening with sort of with Littlefinger and her and I think she ends up running back away with Littlefinger. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I'll say survive. Yeah, yeah, survive. Small John Umber. Oh, <clears throat> this is a tricky uh, one. This is a tricky one for me because I think if if he is actually pulling off the riskiest and most ridiculous sort of switcheroo in the history of Westeros, which is saying something. Um, <laughs> and he's actually planning to join uh, John. Yeah. <coughs> then I think he'll survive. 
if he yeah. is actually on the side of the Boltons, I think he's going to die. So yeah. <clears throat> I'd say on balance of probability, I think the series is pushing us towards the latter. So I'll say he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. small John to buy it because we think he's a genuine traitor. Yeah. Tormund Giant Spain. Ooh. Oh, he's got. He's he's going to buy it. You reckon? Yeah, I think I think he dies heroically. Saving John. Defending like Brienne. Defen- defending Brienne. Oh yeah, because they've set it up, haven't That's they? With it. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Oh, poor Tormund. I'm going to say. I know. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. die. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And finally, last one on the list. Can you guess who it is? Who? One one. The giant. <laughs> He's done. He's fucking done. He's no chance. Yeah. One one done done. I don't know. I kind of think he might. Ah no, I agree. Actually, no, no. I, I, just <laughs> we've agreed on too many of them, so I'll say he he's gonna survive. You're um, team one one. I'm team one I'm t- one. Team done done. That's me. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, um, we'll revisit those next week after the battle of the bastards and see how we got on. We can shunt those into the non-spoiler section then as well, can't we? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so that that was our um, that was our bunk full of spoilers session this week. Sorry if you tuned in expecting to hear some of those fantastic head headings that I've given you in the past, um, but we will get those for next week. Um, if you've got any theories of your own you want to send in, or any battle of uh, the bastards predictions, get them to sharkliverallpodcast at gmail dot com. That's sharkliverallpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at sharkliveroyal. I was just thinking, we often put this out sort of over the weekend, don't we? So I bet a lot of people listening have already watched the next episode. So have been quietly chuckling to themselves if we've boldly made our ridiculous predictions there. <laughs> um, but if you were laughing about it, um, you'll get the chance to laugh all over again as we uh, discover the the horrific... Um, predictions or just how bad they were um when we talk about them again next week but but yeah unless you have anything else to say dave i think that's it for us for this week no 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 i'm done i await with bated breath to see how many of my favorite characters get culled in this forthcoming battle (laughs) until then until then